welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot to cover today, breaking down news of the day. My contributor, none other than Wazni Lambre, TYT contributor extraordinaire. Always good to have Big Waz on the show. Top story of the day, ladies and gentlemen, we got a trial date. Donald J. Trump will be going to federal trial according to a federal judge. Let's get into the weeds here. A federal judge in Florida has scheduled a trial date for next May for former President Donald Trump in a case charging him with illegally retaining hundreds of classified documents. Now remember, the allegation against Donald Trump for this particular case is about his mishandling of classified information. Recent information has come forward that highlights the reality of his obstruction, intentional hiding of classified documents after he was served a subpoena by a federal grand jury. Those are citizens of the country saying turn them over. There's more, the May 20th, 2024 trial date set Friday by US District Judge Eileen Cannon is a compromise between a request from prosecutors to set the trial date for this <laughs> December, trying to give us an early Christmas present. And a bid by defense lawyers to put it off indefinitely until sometime after the 2024 presidential election. Okay, so let me say this, people are saying, uh, well, wait a minute, this seems really political. Why would they go after a guy um, during a political campaign? They need to wait until the political campaign is over. Let me submit something to you. Are they, I'm talking about the federal government, trying to stop him from becoming president? Hell yeah, absolutely. Are they calculating the date of the presidential election? Yes, they'll never admit it, but they are. Why? Because if you actually believe that Donald Trump is a criminal and corrupt and mishandled classified information and more. Why would you not as a prosecutor want to stop that individual from becoming more powerful than he is now? It's done all the time. Look at major CEOs who had their prosecutions fast tracked because of their position of public trust and the necessity to have them isolated or neutralized to stop the corrupt activity. So it's not an abnormal dynamic when you're dealing with corruption and a person seeking to obtain a position or more power of public trust. There's more, if the date holds, it would follow close on the heels of a separate New York trial for Trump on dozens of state charges of falsifying business records in connection with an alleged hush money payment to an adult actor. It also means the trial would not start until deep into the presidential nominating calendar and probably well after the Republican nominee is clear. Though before that person is officially nominated at the Republican National Convention. Now what in the hell does that mean? That means you are likely headed into a scenario where Donald Trump technically 
can have enough delegates to secure the Republican primary victory. However, if he's on trial or even convicted in the period of time in between, the Republican National Committee, because they are a private company with a board of directors, they have the authority, maybe not the will currently or the political might currently, but they do have the authority to basically say no to the nominee and do what's called a brokered convention and allow another individual on the Republican primary ticket to become the champion of their party. There's more. In pushing back the trial from the December 11th start date that the DOJ wanted, Cannon wrote, quote, the government's proposed schedule is atypically accelerated and inconsistent with ensuring a fair trial. She agreed with defense lawyers that the amount of evidence that would need to be sifted through before the trial, including classified information, was voluminous and likely to increase the normal course as trial approaches. The court finds that the interest of justice served by this continuance outweighed the best interest of the public and defendants in a speedy trial. Cannon wrote, you got two happening virtually at the same time according to this particular trajectory of events. You have the Manhattan case and then you will have the federal case. Fulton County, Georgia, they are about to indict Donald Trump. You can take that to the bank. Barricades were erected yesterday in Fulton County. I expect the indictment of Donald Trump to happen within roughly 10, 15 days maximum from Fulton County. And I still expect there to be an indictment, criminal indictment by the state of New York very soon. And you have obviously the second DOJ indictment dealing with Trump and his well election interference pattern, which correlates back to the Fulton County investigation as well. Wow. Waz, you see the tea leaves dear brother, what are your thoughts? Donald Trump has a lot of problems right now, <laughs> Dr. Richie. Uh, it, it almost makes you wonder why he's not pleading out this DOJ case. Like it's obvious they sort of have him dead to rights on, you know, sort of hoarding those classified documents. Like they just got you. When the prosecutor says <laughs> that the information that they're sifting through to, to, to get you on the hook is voluminous, <laughs> you right. got problems, brother. Yeah. Like, um, I think he should have been tried to plead this out. I think they would have been more than happy with the conviction that ultimately ended up in a slap on the wrist. But Donald Trump is being defiant in this and he's gonna fight. And I think Georgia is where he has the most issues because uh, they got this man on the phone literally telling people people to do stuff that interferes with the election. Like he has got major, major issues. And you know, the sad, the sad truth in all of this, Dr. Richie, is like, you would think that all of these problems would make it so that that people would be like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't vote to nominate this guy for the third time to be the candidate in the Republican Party. But this is our democracy, right? Um, this is democracy at work. This is the people getting what they want, particularly on the right side of things. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Fulton County one shapes out because I agree with you. I think you have a more direct link to criminality with 
that case because Trump is on the phone. Trump is obviously clearly violating the state statute as I've read the state statute. And he has corroborating witnesses against him being Republicans who are elected, who have already testified before a special purpose grand jury. So once again, I think that indictment is coming in the next few days. Police officers fabricated information about a murder investigation. That's the allegation, put it up full mass. Let me give you the background in a place called Savannah, Georgia. Savannah police lead detective has been fired for falsifying information against Marquise Parrish in a murder case. Marquise Parrish was accused of taking part in a shooting death of a 23 year old man named Charles Vincent. Three other people also were charged in connection to Mr. Vincent's death. But Parrish's lawyer say that the information used to get a search warrant in the investigation was completely false. Now, I'm going to take you on a journey here. And this is why attorneys should pay attention. And when you have a sharp attorney who actually provides advocacy for you side of the judicial system, they catch things like this, okay? Let's put them up full mass. Savannah Police Department says one of their very own detectives, Ashley Wood, has now been terminated for violating policies that include truthfulness and honesty. The Savannah Police Department confirmed Officer Wood no longer works for the department. Here's what the local news said. The detective falsified information, including security footage, including security footage and text messages and multiple search warrant applications tied to a 2021 murder case. Did you hear what I just said? Falsified security footage, falsified text messages. Now, who did this officer falsify the information to? To a judge, to a judge, to an officer in the judicial system sitting as a judge. There's more. The internal affairs investigation launched on March 31st stemmed from the killing of Charles Vincent and centered on whether the man charged with killing Vincent, once again, Mr. Marquise Parrish, is seen in security footage purchasing cleaning supplies in a Walmart store following Vincent's disappearance. And applying for a search warrant in the case, Wood claimed Parrish is seen on the security video. But both Parrish's defense lawyer and the assistant district attorney working the case asserted in court filings, Parrish is not present in the footage at all. Not there, doesn't exist. Now, I promise if the person even resembled Mr. Parrish, that DA is not going to say that's absolutely not Mr. Parrish. They're going to make an argument in the affirmative. They're going to argue the great rather than argue the facts. There's more. Statement from the police, Savannah. Savannah Police Department Captain Alex Tobar wrote, and I quote, Corporal Ashley Wood's actions were repeated several times. 
throughout this investigation in terms of not reporting accurate information. Woods claims that the offense were inadvertent. However, it appears they were intentional and committed for gain with the result being an arrest and a case closure. So let me explain how it works with police departments. When the police make an arrest, their books will indicate the case has been solved. Even though the judicial system requires that the individual is allowed to face the accusers, to face trial, etc. You have the right of due process. But as it relates to police data, when they make an arrest, when they conclude this is the person who did it, they close the case. So it goes to your benefit as an officer to simply make an arrest that is conclusive based on the evidence you present. You get to move on. It doesn't matter what the DA does for the case. If the DA loses the case, the police department will say, well, that's the DA's fault. We made an arrest and we believe we caught the right person. So you see how this personal benefit dynamic works to the advantage of the corporal who decided to falsify information according to the department. There's more. Wood has now appealed her termination by writing, quote, I disagree with the decision of termination. Her appeal was denied. The decision to release Marquise after Parrish, Parrish was released on bond following his initial arrest. He gave an interview with prosecutors. Prosecutors believe he was truthful in that interview. And as a result, does not believe they can prove the charges against him beyond a reasonable doubt. The filing went on to state Parrish's interview actually aided prosecutors determination of the facts of the case. Marquis spent two years in jail and is still working on clearing his name. Let's put his picture up. After spending two years in jail waiting for a trial in a 2021 Savannah murder case that the man was framed for. The state of Georgia has finally dropped all charges against Mr. Marquise Parrish. Parrish maintained his innocence from the start, never wavered. Parrish said he's not done fighting to clear his name. The 29 year old says he has nothing to hide. And that he plans to take legal action against everyone who put him behind bars for those two years. There you have it. You may be wondering, why was he still in jail? Well, two things happen routinely with black males who are charged. Either A, if you're charged with a crime like this, you get no bond anyway. Or B, you get a bond so extreme that it works like a no bond. And the judge will simply say, well, he has a bond. He stayed in jail for two years. The man was framed for a murder he never committed by a police officer, by a corporal, by somebody who was on the fast track to management. Do you think this corporal only did it to that black male? Is there an exhaustive investigation into the history or patterns that may exist? by way of this one police officer? And do you think this cop was able to do all this by herself? Of course not. But Marquise Parrish had an attorney who paid attention.
that attorney was the first domino that made all of their lives fall. This is the purpose of significant and good advocacy in the criminal justice system. We want to help clear the young man's name as well, obviously, sitting inside of a prison for two years, waiting on a trial, knowing you never committed the crime and you know the information against you was falsified by the very officer. Who would believe him when he testified? He probably would have been advised not to testify because if there's anything in his history, the prosecutor is going to bring it up as evidence of a pattern background. All right, Wozni in this case, even though two years later, he is exonerated, it is exposed what happened to him, but we know good and damn well. This has happened to others and is happening to others right now in the United States of America. What are your thoughts? I think what makes this so insidious, Dr. Richie, is that <laughs> this this gets to the core of our justice system and the responsibilities that we entrust police officers, both men and women. It's about integrity. The entire system is based on this idea that when the cops bring forth evidence, we have every reason to believe that it's credible and that they're presenting stuff that they themselves think is real and true, right? Whenever the police present evidence in court, it's merely taken as fact. You know, oh, we got there, we saw the guy do this with his, you know, he kind of twitched and I had to shoot him. We just take everything that they say to be fact. And so when somebody is found to be so obviously in violation of that fundamental trust and demonstrate themselves to have zero integrity, it calls into question the entire system that we run, right? And this individual brother, yeah, he spent two years. Um, um, in prison or jail, as they would call it, uh, waiting on a trial. He'll never get those years back. The damage to his reputation has already been has already happened. Um, it's horrible. I hope he gets some type of restitution. But beyond that, um, just overall as a system, like how can we trust anything that police department does, right? And I say right. this all the time. Um, when the cops harass black people in in high crime neighborhoods, they justify it by saying, look. You live in a neighborhood that's that's high in crime. Any of you guys could be a criminal. Why don't we use that same level of thinking with this police department? You got one bad apple that's out here committing crimes. What about your whole department? Um, it's rare that we see that happen though, isn't that true, um, Dr. Richie? I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? Where is it? No, let me have it. 
No, it's not you. All right, let's put up lime green Karen full mass. Now, madam, you went through all that trouble to ensure that you had lime green shoes to match your lime <laughs> green dress. You coordinated this outfit specifically. You go out into the public, you see a lesbian couple, and you decide to ambush them with your ignorance. You do have the right, madam, to your freedom of speech, and I do as well. That's the reason why we can highlight Karen's on the program. Um, Killer Mike told me something, Wozniak, that's very wise. He said, freedom of speech, doc lets us know who our enemies are, the people that are adverse to us. Mm. It's a beautiful thing, he said. I agree with my dear brother. Um, very, very happy to see the anti-Karens in the midst who provided challenge to this insanity and also a recording. And let me tell you how this helps with changing the societal reality that you see permeated from these Karens. It is exposure. You see, being a Karen is typically not statutorily illegal, but it is a menace, nuisance to us, to those who are not Karens. And if you look at the Karenicity we have been able to expose on this program, you will see that it comes in you know, all variations. But the fact that somebody can record it means this, it may curve the tendency of a Karen to act out because somebody may be recorded. It could also alert those who are in positions of authority, management, law enforcement, etc. To the reality that whatever complaint you're receiving, if the person seems caring like to you, you may want to investigate further. All right, wise thoughts on this one. Immediately what struck me about this, this video was how the woman who was spewing all of this homophobia and anti-lesbian sentiment immediately went to the child molestation thing. And what that told me is that these people have been so thoroughly propagandized. I know a lot of us, particularly on the left, have made fun of the QAnon stuff and called it pretty kooky and ridiculous. But some of that messaging has slipped through. And everyday people have now internalized this insane notion that if somebody's gay, that means that they hurt children too, which is crazy. And so that's what struck me immediately was how, you know, obviously thoroughly propagandized this woman is. And then also, you mentioned the shoes. You're gonna do, you know, an item like that, a neon green. You gotta go neutral. You see Dr. Yeah. Richie with his beautiful suit. The yeah. blue tie is popping. He's gonna rock a black shoe, a brown shoe with that. He's exactly. not gonna do the 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 blue gaiters the way we used to do back in the days. We've elevated past that um, matchy matchy with the non-neutrals, right, Dr. Richie? That's right. Now, if you would have caught me in, let's say, '94. <laughs> All right. What if I said an elected sheriff shoots at black men in his own neighborhood who were selling pine straw? Pine straw. 
pulled out his gun, shot at him. You would say, no way in the hell. Put it up, full mass. I got a story to tell you. A Georgia sheriff shoots at a vehicle of men selling door to door pine straw. The off duty sheriff was at his home, decided to shoot at the tires of a vehicle of two men who were driving, selling pine straw in his community. Okay, there's more. Sheriff Howard Seals of a place called Putnam County, Georgia, was approached at his home by two men selling pine straw door to door in early June. After discovering they did not have a license to solicit, he told them to stay there until the deputies came to write them a ticket. When the men tried to get into their truck and say, listen, we're leaving. The sheriff pulls out his gun, fires at the men hitting the truck tire and made them stop and get out of the vehicle. That's just the start, okay? Once again, what is the scenario? You have two black men in a rural rural country town in Georgia. They are selling pine straw. They are selling pine straw. The sheriff is probably doing work outside of his home. They see him, they say, hey, we got this pine straw here. Make a good deal for it. Sheriff says, you got a license to sell? No, sir, probably don't need one. I'm the sheriff in this town and uh, you stay right there until my deputies come. The hell? But first of all, I don't know who you are. Uh, You don't have on a sheriff's outfit. You haven't pulled me over. This sounds silly as hell. So they leave and the sheriff pulls out his weapon and shoots at him. I'm going to give you some background and highlight some of the nuances that should have been highlighted when this first happened. The sheriff told the local news, it did make the news locally, quote, I know exactly, I knew exactly what I was doing. That's what the man said. The man said, I knew exactly what I was doing and I do it again. It was appropriate in that scenario with what I was doing. I would not have done that. If it was an occupied street with people around or something like that. Sheriff, it was an occupied street. The two human beings you shot at, the individuals you shot toward were occupying the street. You shot at individuals for something that's not even a crime, I checked. It is a city citation, it's not even a misdemeanor, it's not even a criminal offense, there's more. When notified of the incident, the district attorney, the DA, who has the power to call on the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to investigate police officers independently, uh, took a look at the case and said to local sources, quote, What this amounts to in short is 
two criminals have made a really poor choice by showing up at the sheriff's doorstep. And what resulted was two criminals were removed from the streets and hopefully prevented from perpetrating further crime. The DA, Foxdale, also admitted he is personally close to the sheriff. Quote, he wanted to disclose up front that he was extremely close to the sheriff, according to unionrecorder.com. DA Barksdale is the same attorney, the same attorney who cleared the cops in the arrest death of Brianna Greer, who fell out of a moving cop car while being handcuffed. We covered that right here on Indisputable. District Attorney T. Wright Barksdale III also confirmed to the Daily Beast that he personally knew Lieutenant Primus, one of the sheriff's deputies who arrested her. Damn, it sounds like, Mr. DA, that everybody you personally know, they can get away with things that seem questionable or criminal. And you are okay with publicly saying, I know them personally. This is new to us. Um, nobody is really covering it up. The sheriff did a press conference, yeah, I did it, I'll do it again. DA said, yeah, he did it. And the people he shot at were two criminals and we got off the street. Let me be very clear about the law. Every police officer that we have spoken to about this and the two attorneys that we consulted made it very clear. Police officers on duty, off duty, post certified cops, they do not get to shoot at individuals when there is no actionable felony being committed or the threat of somebody's life in danger, including their own. You cannot make the argument here that one of those exceptions applied. These men were shot at because of a citation. They could have died. They could have died. So while the sheriff did his press conference, doubling down and admitting to the offense at hand, and the DA backs it up. Understand that the law is very clear. You discharge your weapon at individuals who, according to your own words, only committed a citation infraction. We reached out, we wanted a comment from Sheriff Seals who told us, and I quote, I committed no crime in the way I handled the incident and cannot understand why anyone would think I have. As for my relationship with District Attorney Barksdale, we are close friends and have a close working relationship. I have been personal friends with every district attorney whom I ever worked with throughout my career. It continues. He is well within his authority to request the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to investigate me. If he believes I have perpetrated some criminal act, if he further has the authority to bring any evidence that I committed a crime before a grand jury, should he want to. And such a jury could return an indictment against me, should a majority of the jurors see fit to return a true bill. We also reached out to Boxdale. Boxdale is a little smarter than the sheriff. Boxdale decided not to reply, not to respond. Now, they're going to try to muddy this story up. I got this story because of a tip 
from an officer. Understand where we got this story from. I'm not in Putnam County. A cop contacted us to give us this extreme miscarriage of justice because they see it for what it is. They are going to try to muddy this story up and say, well, one guy actually did have a warrant for his arrest. Um, it was some type of technical probation violation, I believe. And the other guy had some criminal issues in his past, but no active warrant. So they're going to make the argument, well, we were actually able, we were able to get some dangerous people off the street. Really? You see, in a court of law, evidence is weighed based on priority and fairness. So the one simple question in a court of law that would apply here, Mr. DA. Sheriff, were you aware that there was a warrant out for the arrest of one of the individuals you shot at on that day? The answer would be no. Sheriff, were you aware that a citation is not in fact a criminal offense? The answer would be yes. Sheriff, were you aware that discharging your firearm toward individuals without there being an actionable felony committed? Are you aware that that is considered to be adverse to protocol and illegal? He would have to say yes, because he has been post certified and they teach you these rules there. So why has he not been investigated? All right, wise thoughts. Obviously, this is just a horrible, disheartening incident. And and you know this because you're a student of the law currently yourself. Um, you're familiar with the concept of equal protection under the law. Apparently, in Putnam County, it's equal protection under the law so long as it's not the goddamn sheriff transgressing against you as you're out there trying to earn a living for yourself and your family. We now have some body cam footage that shows moments after a black mother was fatally shot by her own neighbor. Let's put up the pictures full mass to remind you of the background of this. Last month, AJ Owens, a black 35 year old single mother of four was shot dead in front of her nine year old son by her 58 year old white neighbor, Susan Lawrence in Ocala, Florida. In what local authorities say was the violent combination of a multi-year feud amid allegations, Lawrence was motivated by racial animus. Owens death was reignited, has reignited the controversy surrounding Florida's stand your ground law after Owens was allegedly standing on the killer's porch and shot through the woman's front door after knocking. She has pled not guilty to manslaughter with a firearm and assault and is still being held at the Marion County Jail on more than $150,000 bond. Prior to the incidents leading up to the shooting per ABC News, here it is. Body camera video revealing new details about the feud between two Florida neighbors that turned deadly. She calls constantly. Susan Lawrence making multiple calls to authorities about Ajika AJ Owens and her children for more than a year before she was charged with shooting and killing her. 
put your call forward. I called because the lady across the street on the phone hit me with the sign. In February of last year, Susan Lawrence alleging Owens picked up a no trespassing sign and threw it at her as she walked her dog on Lawrence's property. Sheriff deputies asking Owens for her side. I picked the sign up and I threw the sign. I literally picked the sign up and as I walked up, I threw the sign. I said, I can go and buy a sign too. It still doesn't mean okay. anything. In April, Lawrence accusing Owens and her children of stealing her mail, calling her names and trespassing. How are you? Aggravated. Okay, so what's going on? Okay, I've got young ladies who just keep coming by and think it's hysterical while I'm working to um, bring their animals and scream while I'm on the phone. This woman was a menace to everyone in that community, okay? Based on the narrative that we now have. And remember what happened during the day that she killed her own neighbor. According to undisputed facts, undisputed testimony, contextualized in the police report. This killer literally threw objects at children. The children doing what they were told to do, which is don't argue with adults. You come to me, they went to their mother. Based on the guidance, the proper guidance she gave them. The mother hears this from their children. The nine year old comes with the mother. Mother knocks on the door to have an adult conversation, which anyone would have done. And without provocation, is shot and killed in front of her own baby. Let's put up the screenshot. Now WESH2 News has obtained a new body cam footage from the night Owens was killed. And the outlet explains the footage, reveals a lot. Some of it is hard to watch. When deputies arrived, the killer was still inside of her home as deputies can be heard ordering it's the Marion County Sheriff's Office. Come outside with the hands up. Moments later, she was in fact in handcuffs, as you can see there. The only time she can be heard in the footage is when she's handcuffed and when deputies gather her information, she's being placed in the patrol car. Show me your hands, show me your hands, turn around. Where's your hands? Anybody else in the house? A deputy said in the body cam video. Can I just get my water? The killer asked the deputy. No, you are uh, no, you are not under arrest. You are being detained, a deputy said in the body cam video. Okay, I understand that, the killer says. A new video also shows the moment Owen's kids find out their mother did not survive. WES, WESH2 News chose not to show that video out of respect to Owen's family. Let me give you details. According to Marion County Sheriff Billy Woods, deputies at about 9 p.m. on Friday, June 2nd, responded to a call regarding alleged trespassing at an apartment complex. While en route to the address, deputies learned that there had been shots fired upon arriving at the scene. They located an adult female victim, later identified as Owens, suffering from a gunshot wound and immediately began rendering aid until medics could reach the area. Unfortunately, she succumbed to her own to her wound and was pronounced dead. 
prior to the shooting. The children of the victim were playing in a field near their home when the shooter yelled at them to quote, get off her land and called them racial slurs. Attorney Ben Crump, who's representing the Owens family, said in a press release, additional reports state that the killer also allegedly threw a roller skate at one of them, talking about the kids. Following the arrest, Owens' mother, Pamela Diaz, spoke about all her grandchildren have lost with the death of their mother. And she spoke about the burden they now carry. Owens' nine-year-old was with his mother when she was killed. In his soul, in his heart, it's his fault that his older brother, his baby sister, and his baby brother, as well as himself, would never see. Their mother again. Because he went home and told his mother what this woman did to him. Who wants that burden? As an adult, who wants that burden? Nobody. This nine year old. Nine is obviously a very young age. But cognitive enough to understand how heavy, how severe, how final death is. To the grandmother, um, you become now the personification of two people, of your daughter and of the grandmother that they've always known. To the nine-year-old. This is not your fault. This is a cause and effect relationship of the kind of nation that we're in. The kind of indoctrination that leads to racist evil people like the woman who killed your mother. And I will offer this as well. My faith background teaches me that it does not end with this physical body. That there's so much more to life than the now. All right, wisely thoughts. I I believe I was on with you guys when this story first broke. I it's just obviously just tragic. Um, the footage in the aftermath where this woman is sort of resigned to the fact that she just committed one of the most heinous acts. She didn't even put up a fight. She knew no. that she had done something just completely horrible um, and tragic. I don't know how a family picks up the pieces after something like this. Uh, obviously, our thoughts are with the loved ones. But yeah, man, um, I, I don't know how we move past this kind of thing in, in a country where we're producing people with this level of hate for their neighbors. You know, this isn't even an, uh, an encounter with some stranger out and about. Like these are the people that you're in community with. That's right. And you're having these kind of conflicts that lead to death. Uh, man, I, I have to believe um, that we can do much better than this as a people in how we treat each other and how we encounter each other. You know, it should never come to this with the people that you live with, um, that you live amongst. Yeah. Uh, we gotta be better than this. That's right. We will follow this as it develops. Off 
off-duty police officer decides to beat a black male because he thinks the black male is dating his daughter, but he's not. Finally, he gets sentenced. Let's put it up full mass. I'm taking you to Alabama. Off-duty Alabama cop allegedly bloodies a black man's nose and mouth, then threatens him with a gun for reportedly talking, just talking to his daughter. He also has a startling history of physical abuse. This is Lieutenant Max Ryan Dotson. An Alabama officer now will spend the next two years behind bars after a judge convicted him of assault among other charges for hitting and threatening a black male while he was off duty. Max Ryan Dotson was a lieutenant for the Sheffield County Police Department was charged in March and later found guilty of third degree assault, reckless endangerment and menacing during his bench trial. Now, here's why that part is important. His defense attorney elected to bypass a jury and to seek a verdict from a judge, it's called a bench trial. Judge convicted him. Now, I still think the sentence is light given the horrific nature of the crime and also the extreme amount of public trust placed into this lieutenant. Let me give you more background. Um, Lauderdale County, all right, Lauderdale County DA, excuse me, Lauderdale County District Court, Judge Carol C. Metley sentenced Officer Dotson on Friday to 12 months for the third degree charge of assault and 12 months for the reckless endangerment charge and six months for menacing. In December 2022, Lieutenant Dotson approached DeMarcus Key and alleged he had said something to his daughter. Key kept insisting that he said nothing to Dotson's daughter and did not know her. The two get into a verbal altercation that quickly turned physical. Then Dotson stepped back and pulled his gun. Key was struck multiple times in the face and left with a bloodied nose and mouth. The off-duty cop also threatened him with the gun, according to a civil rights attorney, uh, ideal friend Harry Daniels. Dotson was arrested on March 28th and booked into the Lauderdale County Detention Center, but released the same day on a small $1,500 bond. He was also placed on administrative leave following his arrest. The cop reportedly will serve his sentence at the same jail. Let me give you the past history of violence and why this person should have never been a cop, period. The Alabama cop is one of the 10 officers currently being sued by Marvin Long, an unarmed black man who was bit by police dogs after being followed back to his front door by police. Body cam footage shows the officers involved, including Lieutenant Dotson, sicking the dog on Mr. Long. Here's the footage. Is this your property? Go, man. Is this your property? Big fat boy. Go, man. Is this your property? Go, man. Nope. It's gonna be my property. How you doing, bro? You must be for What's going on, man? What's up?
I ain't got no courage. I resist him. I get him. I get him. We're resisting. Bro, I give up. Come on, man. I got no courage. Yes, I live here. This is my home, man. Come on, bro. Lay down. Come on, bro. Come on, man. Fight him. Fight him. Get him. Stop resisting. We covered this story when it first happened. Harry Daniels, the attorney, provided the video footage to Indisputable. Now we have another story of one of the officers involved, the lieutenant going around the community beating up black men. And now that cop has been sentenced to two years in prison. Civil rights attorney Harry Daniels released the following statement in part. Yes, we're pleased that Lieutenant Dotson has been convicted, but he isn't the bad apple. This is a bad tree. Between the Sheffield Police Department and Colbert County Sheriff's Office, this is a bad orchard. And it's time we did something about it. Sheffield County Police Chief Ricky Terry filed paperwork to terminate Dotson from the department as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we fight. This is what we fight and this is our why. Watch me thoughts. Man, it's, it's just so obvious these cats think they're above the law. Yeah. Um, you accost the guy for even let's just say this young man was dating the guy's daughter. Um, that doesn't give you a right to run up on him and just you know do bodily harm to the guy. Like it doesn't make any sense. And you know just the idea that you think it's your duty or your right um, to treat people this way. It, it just says everything about the the PD and and what they think their role is in our society. They're freaking bullies. A lot of them. Anyway, a lot of them did sign up so that they could behave this way. Um, it's not about some protect and serve. It's about puffing out your chest um, and thinking you're the big man on campus. Um, and yeah, this brother, he's clearly demonstrated that he shouldn't have a badge. He needs yeah. to go out and find another way to pay his bills. Policing should not be one of them because again, you know, we entrust these people with so much power and discretion. And the idea that, you know, we could trust this guy. To use his instinct and proper judgment um, and have the proper character to do this important job is that's impossible. It's laughable to consider that. Um, and yeah, he definitely needs to be out of here. Yeah, well said. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Well, let me say this there are cops who decided to call. Children ghetto and other words I cannot say on air, but they're still, well, they're going to be on duty. Put up the picture. Two Sacramento police officers will still have their jobs. Despite being under investigation for calling a group of minors ghetto and improperly handcuffing a black teenager during the incident. Newly released documents show on October 2021. Sacramento Police Chief Kathy Lester reprimanded Officer Brandon Lugrin for discrimination allegations and his and his colleague um, Officer Connor Lawrence for using excessive force associated with a 2021 uh, excuse me with a 2020 incident. Police records state on Saturday, October 10, 2020, the two were dispatched 
to Delta Shores shopping complex to answer call regarding juveniles loitering, fighting and bothering other customers. However, once the officers arrived on the scene, they repeatedly turned on and off their body cameras selectively recording their inappropriate actions and comments toward the young people. According to a disciplinary letter released by the department during that time, the camera was on. It captured Lawrence, one of the officers asking his partner, how many of these kids you think are drinking lean and ish? One officers, his partner answered all of them. Abuse of power, let's go to it. The department said they failed to use their training regarding the racial and identity profiling act and use force even when it wasn't called for. An example of this is when officer Lange Grin had a conversation with one of the young black teens about having guns to be cool to their friends and referring to the young people as a pack of wolves out there destroying the community. To add insult to injury, the letter said the footage recorded the officers calling the kids ghetto and another word I cannot pronounce on air and saying they should just grab somebody when approaching the kids. The comment about grabbing any of the kids gathered was made multiple times. The officer also said to the 14 year old <coughs> black child, quote, okay, you're the first one and proceeded to handcuff him and place him in the backseat of a patrol car. According to the letter, the team was handcuffed for 27 minutes. However, no one from the department documented the incident. This is a crime against a minor, phony consequences. Despite public outcry, both officers were only required to complete training a year after the altercation. Officers Lawrence and Lundgren were required to attend a three day immersion training course that involved resilience compassion and leadership for law enforcement. Both of the officers involved, the city and the Seattle Police Department have remained silent about the release of their records and have not addressed the severity or appropriateness of the reprimand they received for their actions. Community organizer, Sonia Lewis said, and I quote, people in the black community have stressed for too long that training doesn't deter this type of behavior. It's a culture, it's a norm of law enforcement. I would like to see suspensions unpaid. We need to hit them in the pockets too often when something really goes awry. It hits the taxpayer in the pocket when huge settlements are paid out for wrongdoing by cops. That's one way to do it. Thankful for your advocacy and leadership. Another way is to one, fire them, two, investigate them criminally, and three, make sure the young men who had this happen to them sue. All right. Wisely, thoughts here. Is it too much to ask that these guys don't have absolute and utter contempt for the communities they right. serve? Right. Like, is exactly. that just too much to ask? Even with, I mean, like, this is before we even talk about the idea of just kids, yeah. children, you know. Um, can we just do that? Can we just not look at these guys as vermin, as blights on on the society, and as people and treat them as such? Like it, it, I feel like that's not um, unreasonable and ass, Dr. Richie. Not at all, um, and it's unfortunate that it's come to well that low of a bar. Just don't be, <laughs> you know, racist openly <laughs> against our communities. Yeah. Just saying. He done did it. 
Governor Ron DeSatan has said something so damn racist that Tim Scott had to speak up for black people. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the twilight zone. Let's go to it. First video. As a country founded upon freedom, greatest deprivation of freedom for slavery. There's there's no silver lining in freedom, in slavery. The truth is that anything you can learn, that any benefits that people suggest you had during slavery, you would have had as a free person. What slavery was, was really about separating families, about mutilating humans, and even raping their wives. It was just devastating. So I would hope that every person in our country and certainly running for president would appreciate that. And listen, people have bad days. Sometimes they regret what they say. And we should uh, ask them again to clarify their positions. Senator Tim Scott says people have bad days. We should ask them to clarify. Ron DeSantis clarified. It was a clarification he provided when he decided to support the actions of his own appointed school board in Florida that decided to adopt a curriculum that mandated teachers to teach that slavery provided benefit to black people. So here's Tim Scott, all right? In the ultimate master done gone too far now, move by trying to explain well, you know, it's, it's, it's not right, uh, and, and maybe he needs to clarify what he meant. Sir, I, I can remind you what the man said. Here it is. The new standards say Florida students should be taught about the harsh conditions slaves endured, but also about how slaves developed skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. They're probably gonna show um, some of the folks that eventually parlayed uh, you know, being a blacksmith into, into doing things later, later in life. That was an explanation that he provided, Senator. Now, I know you're trying to run this campaign of, uh, I don't see color, America's not a racist nation, all contrary to truth. And as I said before, you cannot change what you fail to acknowledge. That's why you would be a feckless leader. And let's not act as if you did not co-sign on this foolishness leading up to this point. It has been your apologist attitude toward the Republican Party and their racism that has allowed this to permeate without challenge, dear brother. At least individuals like myself, you may not agree with me, but I challenge and have always challenged the narrative that somehow those who have been historically marginalized are deserving of treatment like this. So finally, you say something, you barely do that. But you were very bold, you were very intentional about saying this. Here it is. Hear me clearly America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. Senator Scott, you literally have admitted that the law now in Florida, as it relates to our children, our most precious and valuable resource is racist. You did not boldly call out the racist who did it. 
you decided to ask him to provide clarity and told us everybody has a bad day. Wise thoughts. You know, I saw a clip the other day of Dr. Cornell West on um, Fox News. He was on with Sean Hannity, and Hannity said, "Well, you know, even you, Dr. West, would agree that the Democrats are terrible. So why are blacks and other minorities so beholden to the Republican Party, to the Democratic Party?" And what I would say to Hannity and those types of people who try to chastise black people for always voting Democrat, just showed him a clip of Tim Scott trying to explain Ron DeSantis's ridiculous comments. That's it. That's that's why people don't rock with y'all. That's yep. it. it. It's that simple. Yep. And if you want to go deeper, black people increase economically. Black people increase by way of education. Black people increase by way of household median income. When Democrats occupy that White House, now not to the tune that we should, in my opinion, but it goes in the reverse when a Republican is at the helm. That's a policy dynamic that adversely impacts. Black folk, was always a pleasure, dear brother, having you on the show. Tell people they can follow you, check out your great work. Um, uh, big Waz on Instagram, on social media, I guess on Threads too. People are threading, I guess. Um, and also check out the Ringer NBA show. We're kind of off for the off season, but check me out on Woke Bros everywhere you get your podcast with me and Nando Vila every single Friday. Thank you, dear brother. I appreciate all you do, man. Always. All right, the bullpen is next. Stick and stay. Welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Miss Leslie Corbley, writer and commentator, Young Voices. Leslie, good to have you on the show. How are you? I'm well, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We are going to chop it up about the reality of social media regulation or deregulation. What will it be? I don't want to. Assume what you know, believe about that topic. So, if you would give us your sentiment, and I would then opine. Sure. So, generally speaking, I'd like to see the internet free <laughs> and free speech to dominate on the internet. That's foundational to sort of a liberty, liberty and general libertarian view that I hold. And of course, that would include wanting the government out of social media decision making regarding what content they do or do not platform. So my biggest concern would be if the government were jawboning or in any way coercing social media companies regarding the decisions that they make. I'm with you on the government part. I don't want the government, Republican or Democrat um, regime. To be able to say to a private company, hey, you can't do that, you can't say that. Um, now, there are some reasonable circumstances like you know, putting a hit out on somebody or threatening to kill someone, right? Those are against the law. But outside of the context of government, let's say, coercion, you would also want a social media company to not be able to regulate their own content, or are you okay with a social media company? regulating content on their platform that they deem to be inappropriate. Oh, certainly I, I have no issue with social media companies broadly determining what, what content they will or will not platform. Okay. Um, I do think as far as like a social issue goes, I think consumers should be very aware and aware of what the rules governing a social media company's content platforming scheme is. And by that, I mean, I think it is wise for consumers to want to have a voice in that, right? Oh, if you're if if you're working with a company, say that has a, a more 
censorious attitude as it relates to what they will or will not platform, you may want to be aware of that. So when you're determining which platforms you want to operate accounts on, you have kind of a heads up on that. And I think that also keeps a, a good um, milieu within the whole environment as far as ensuring that companies are gearing their policies towards their consumers, right? So I think yeah. that there's a, a strong consumer interest there. But as far as it relates to legal regulations, um, no, I would not want the government having any, I really don't want the government to have any say uh, at all as in relation to what is on social media. I'm glad you said that because I think it's the height of hypocrisy when former President Donald Trump attempted to file a class action lawsuit <laughs> against social media, claiming that these private companies violated his freedom of speech by deplatforming his rhetoric, right? And he is literally in his lawsuit asking the government to allow him to have a stronger voice than the private company that also has First Amendment protections. Um, did you agree with Trump's lawsuit when he filed it on any premise at all? Uh, no, I can't say that. <laughs> Um, I'm not really a, a huge fan of, of that tactic as it relates to dealing with this issue. I but do you think saw that, that it was hypocritical. Like when you read the actual case, it was a very hypocritical case at face value because um, you're literally telling the government to now get involved when you said the reason this is happening is because the government is involved and should not be. Sure, it, it seeks to address a problem in a very uh, inappropriate way, in my opinion, yeah. right? So there's a problem, there's a real problem here. And instead of um, taking a legitimate route to address that problem, uh, you know, Trump Trump goes a different a different way, uh, unsurprisingly. But no, I, 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 again, broadly speaking, not in favor of the government being the actor that needs to solve this problem. I do think there's a broader problem as it relates to private and public spheres merging with, uh, that's just general though with technology. And I think that undergirds a lot of these issues and we haven't really as a society teased out what that's going to look like. Uh, and that's again, where my strong interest is, let's let's solve this in a private manner. Like I think that again, private and public spheres are merging and I don't want the government to end up uh, having a coercive effect on the private sphere that's not appropriate. You know, I'm so, so happy that you have linear integrity about what you believe. Because we have had individuals on this program who literally will make the same argument that you're making, that government should not be involved. And then support Donald Trump's lawsuit where he's asking the government to be involved in social media. You're not making that contention here. You're remaining linear in your logic and it does make sense. You do have some nuance that's worth trying to let's just say detangle. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about section 230. Sure. Section 230 obviously was a way for certain platforms to not receive civil penalty because they're not really publishing content. They're simply allowing you to publish content. And that means if you publish content on their platform and you are let's say defaming someone that the company that you published the plat the content on their platform cannot be held liable, but you still can be held liable. That has permeated into something else now because of the advent of social media and how we look at platforming technologies. What are your thoughts about Section 230 and how it applies today or should not apply today? Sure. So. Um 
as as to section 230 itself um i don't have a lot of sh a lot of like really strong opinions on legal changes to that i think that there's a lot of nuance and a lot of um strong arguments on both sides that I've seen and I have a really strong opinion on that. That being said, I do think consumers need to be aware of of what the environment right now on social media looks like because in my opinion, what I really want to see is to see consumers take more ownership of the public conversation itself and start to place more costs on companies for what they perceive to be poor behavior so that the entire social media ecosystem is more driven to consumer needs rather than um, the opinions of of regulators or uh, government actors or yeah. really strong, um, you know, maybe social media influencers. I I would really like, like to see it more be more consumer driven. You know, every person, and I agree with you on that notion. Every person lit literally signs a user agreement before they are platformed, right? Trump had to sign a user agreement too, even though obviously he forgot about that contract when he <laughs> sued uh, those same social media companies. Now, personally, I don't want a social media platform that allows for racism, N-word, etc. Because I have a daughter and I have young men, uh, mentees. I don't want them exposed to that because they are on the platform, all right? I would prefer to protect them from it. So I'm okay with the private company saying, these are our rules. This will get you deplatformed, don't do it. If you do so, it'll be at your own peril. You're not arguing like, let's say Elon Musk, once argued, he doesn't argue that today as much, but you're not a purist in that sense. You're not saying all speech, no matter what, should be allowed and companies should have no right to regulate that kind of speech. That's not your argument. No, that's not the argument I'm making right now at all. Uh, weirdly, what I'm saying is I, I think there's actually a bias that I want to bring up uh, in the tech sphere um, and a, a, a bias towards the idea that information traveling as quickly as possible to as many people as possible through uh, as many like mediums as possible is sort of always a good thing. And I think that it can be depending on the context. And I think a lot of what we're missing at, at the time right now with social media and with our conversations in this sphere is context itself. Like yeah. there are times when allowing as much speech as possible in a private setting is more beneficial. And then there's times where uh, you can have a more a more private um, event or something where limiting the type of people there or limiting the speech there has has benefits as well. So I think a lot of it's context pendant. And uh, of course, I want companies to be able to allow whatever speech they would like. Yeah. I, I just don't want the government to have anything to do with regulating speech in any way, shape or form in the public sphere. Well, that's what the constitution basically said. <laughs> Once again, with appropriate um, restrictions or allowances for that. Um, I will say this, 57% of Americans are actually in favor of the regu regulatory dynamics that exist contextualized in the private company, not the government, but the private company. And only 15% of Americans based on a yougov.com survey actually would like to see less regulation as it relates to these private companies. Private companies at the end of the day, they're the ones who have to drive this ship, not the government. Uh, and obviously not a lawsuit telling the government to get involved. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, individual uh, responsibility also should drive this as well. That's what I mean, as, a, as someone who cares a lot about freedom and, and responsibility, I think that those run together. And I would really like to see uh, the public conversation geared more towards the consumer rather than um, the, it, I still think that's really what's governing the conversation right now. And I would prefer to see 
that driving the ship rather than uh, the desires of regulators or the kind of mm-hmm. jawboning that we're seeing right now that sort of yeah. tends to drive where the conversation is headed. And of course, I do think, again, from a consumer standpoint, I think consumers should be very aware of this, like, for instance, the size of a social media company, the kind of values that they uh, espouse to have uh, so that they can be aware as they're navigating what is an increasingly uh, complex media landscape, uh, what it is that... Um, that the company stands for and whether the consumer wants to engage in a specific um, manner with that company. I think if if individuals take a, quite a bit more of an empowerment uh, stance within the, this sphere, it would have a, a lot of benefits. I think it would definitely transform some things. Um, Truth Social, for example, Donald Trump's social media platform, uh, they had a premise in the beginning that basically said, everybody's welcome, you can say what you want to say. Um, I joined just to mess with them. I was deplatformed immediately. Um, so it shows the hypocrisy in their own proclamations about how this should work. I'm with you on the private sector part. I've always believed that the consumer should drive the ship with the private company. The government getting involved is messy, but let me give you a nuance even to that. Let's say the government has a list somewhere. It could be cdc.gov, it could be the White House. And they say, you know, these things we hold to be true. These things we hold to be false. And a private company said, you know what, we're going to look at that as part of our weighing of what we decide to classify as misinformation or not. Do you think that, and I'm not talking about coercion, no contact. I'm talking about literally a document they can go to, it's online. Produced by the government, they utilize it privately as a way to weigh their own internal structure. Do you have a problem with that? As far as a hypothetical, no. If, if if the company is clear about what they deem to be misinformation and what what the rules governing deplatforming are, I think that's fine. As to what's actually currently occurring, I would say it it looks quite a bit more coercive at the moment. Um, and as far as hopefully solutions in the future, I would like to see there be more transparency from the companies, uh, less contact with the government overall, and a, a better ability of consumers to engage in ways that empower consumers rather than uh, lead to sort of the, like you mentioned, a lot of hypocrisy on all sides uh, stemming from the blending of these private and public uh, spaces. Yeah, Yeah. Um, very thankful for your thoughtful debate. I appreciate you, we're gonna have you back on the show, okay? Thank you. Absolutely, all right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.